Welcome to After the Flag, live here from the Ricardo Tormo circuit in Valencia. I'm Steve Day, joined by Simon Crafar, where today we have crowned a new MotoGP world champion. Juan Mir has done it, and he will have his hands on the MotoGP world championship trophy next week in Portugal. What a day we have had here today, because of course Mir wasn't on the podium when we had so much to keep focus on. We have to talk about the race first before we talk about Mir as well. Well, actually, no, I'm going to get your thoughts on Mir. I mean, let's be honest, this is a remarkable day. Uh, we thought it was going to come, and it's fi he's finally done it. He looked really nervous on the grid, bless him. For the first time. For the first time all season long. But ultimately, Simon, he got the job done. He did everything he needed to do today. He is, uh, like Frankie, solid is a rock, isn't he? You know, the team have put, you know, given him so much responsibility. He must have felt that so much, like we saw him on the grid. And um, but all year he's never folded, has he? You know, I mean, look back, and and his crashes uh, have been people taking him out, bike failure. He's super impressive. Uh, the thing is, as well, he looked pretty much unflappable uh, all the way through the year. This is the race start uh, for Juan Mir. I think job one was just trying to get through lap one crispy uh, clean. And I mean, there was a moment actually into turn two where uh, Fabio Quattararo, it looked like, might get close to him as well. This is where Franco Morbidelli and Jack Miller got into P1 and P2. This is where Mir was at the start. It was these first few laps that were probably going to be the most problematic, would you say? Guys, I stood on the grid with the Suzuki's talking to David Abrevio, and there's like 12 bikes in front of them. It was a long way. And what a nightmare to try and get through. And when you've got that hanging over you, uh, if you make a mistake, you're going to lose, you know, well, at least give someone else a chance to win the World Championship. And uh, it must have played on his mind just to stay safe, where Rins ran for it a bit more and made it a bit further through. But look at him. What, like, he's such a young guy with such a wise old head on his shoulders. Yeah, that know? is absolutely spot on, yeah. Simon. The 23-year-old from Mallorca in just his second Premier Class season has won the World Championship for a manufacturer that haven't been successful since Kenny Roberts Jr. in the year 2000. Uh, just incredible scenes, but no one can say he doesn't deserve it. No, 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 nobody's going to say that. Nobody. If, if they do, they're uh, talking through uh, the wrong <laughs> hole. <laughs> um, no way. He's, he's, I don't think anyone in the, that he's racing against would say that either. He's, he's absolutely... Yeah, awesome. There's uh, going to be some parties tonight uh, in and, Suzuki. And such a nice kid with it. Yes, like, he is. Uh, before he came down to the interview in Park Ferme, I said, oh, did you see your mum? She's bawling her eyes out. And he goes, she never watches. She's too uh, scared, you yeah. know. And I said, I never understood my mum doing that until I had kids. And he went, ah, like losing your dog in the forest. You know, <laughs> he's, you know, the, somebody he loves, he worries about. Uh, really nice fella. We'll have plenty of time to, to analyse Juan Mir's World Championship win, but we've got to talk about the top three in the race today as well. What an epic battle it was in the end. It had a steady start. Franco Morbidelli getting out front. He's got some great, great pace. But this man, Jack Miller on screen, we're going to go to him and hear from him now. What a race from Jack Miller. He left it all out there. He just fell short, but brilliant to have him back on the podium. Jack Miller, let's cross over to to Matt now, he's got him Going. in the TV set. What do you got to lose? Just yeah, get into yeah. it. Let's go for it. How the front the tire? Was, it the was fr good. Front tire hanging looking, there. Looking at the tires and park for May. Did you ever think about running the hard? I ran it last week. And right. Honestly, last week I felt like 
I couldn't get temperature in the left hand I don't know, Matt, right. if you can hear us at the moment. But uh, he obviously can. We've it's crossed like, over. Oh, I've just crossed over a little Matt. too soon there. I think they're just yeah. getting the rehearsals ready. Let's cross over now to Matt and get the reactions Jack, from Jack Miller. Apparently we are live. Congratulations. I can't hear anything in my ears, but a huge congratulations, Jack. You're unbelievable fight for the victory today you'll sleep well tonight knowing that you did absolutely everything that you possibly could to win that race i just want to talk to you initially about the, the front tire choice because you went for the medium and it seemed to hang in there really really good because your pace throughout the race was super strong yeah i was able i think i did my best lap like something like i think i had single digits left on the <laughs> lap board um which is really unusual for me but uh no i felt really good um i had this feeling sneaky feeling all weekend that the medium was the one I ran the hard last week just because we didn't have really any info. But the feeling I had of the hard last week is I never could really get the temperature in the left-hand side, which here is always a problem getting it in the right, but the right felt mega. But yeah, every time I went from like 12 to 13, I'd lose the front. And I felt unreal, and I'm, I'm normally not too bad on the front. Some, pla see some places more than others, but I got the boys to sort of pick out a handful of corners that where I forced the front the most and just try and fix it. Like, t they can tell me where they were. And all right, try not to do too much there. Try not to force it too much there. And between that and just managing the rear tyre, that's all I tried to do for the first 20 laps. And then the rest was trying to chase down Frankie. Uh, he rode an amazing race. Um, I had this mega plan in my head that I was going to sail past him on the front straight, uh, one to go, and, you know... It nearly Bob, worked. Bob, your uncle, but... Uh, <laughs> That lasted right up until I started tipping into turn one with that tail when I just couldn't get the thing to stop. Um, went a little wide and then we were side by side going into the turn two. It was kind of who was going in first and uh, I was on the outside. Um, but yeah, and then a nice little battle ensued and he, uh, he got the better of me at turn five. And then uh, I was just searching. I ran over the curb on seven trying to go up the inside there. Ran over the curb on ten trying to go up the inside there and he, he blocked. He had them all really covered and then... Um, yeah, in 12 to 13, I had a big, sh oh, like a bit of a shake. I was into it and I just lost the rear a little bit here. And then as I went over, I shook. I lost the drive over the top of the hill, so I wasn't close enough on braking. So I tried to, well, I was Hail Mary, let's say. <laughs> I ran wide and tried to square it up and see if the Duke Addy had, you know, power by him before the, before the finish line. But as soon as I cracked it on, the last one, she just went, what? <laughs> just drifted the way. And I said, nah, that's that then. But uh, no, an awesome race. Um, an awesome weekend yeah. from me. I enjoyed both weekends here. Last weekend was a shame in the race. We didn't get to do, I feel like, what was our full potential. But uh, this weekend we definitely made up for it. But I've, I love riding here in Valencia. It's, it's a lot of fun. You've covered it so well, mate, in that first answer. I just want to pick up on a couple of things, though. When you got into the lead again on the last lap at Turn 4, you must have thought, I've got this covered now. I thought it was done. But then, yeah, once I um, sort of shut off and just trail braked into turn five I heard <laughs> and I could almost like you're hanging off the side and you can almost hear it and you have a little little bit of a knowledge let's say of where they are and I knew he was hey it's the last lap MotoGP two laps to go I mean uh, two rounds to go the second last round so of course he's going to throw it in there but uh, I just managed to stand the bike up I thought I'll have another dig at, uh, at turn eight breaking for turn eight but yeah it just wasn't to be but anyway, um, nah. Massive congratulations to him. Massive congratulations to to the other one, yeah, Joanne I mean, over there. I mean, he's done a fantastic job all season. He's been the the cream of the crop 
even when the chips were down, when he got taken out, for example, in uh, Czech, he's kept his head screwed on, done the business, uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 it's great to see. I like an underdog story, and that, that's an underdog story if I've ever seen one, so massive congratulations to him. Um, he's dealt with all the hype and everything like that, and really showed what class he is. You like the journalist dream, mate. I only have to ask you a couple of questions. You get everything covered, all bases covered. I try to get out of here quickly. <laughs> I knew there was some reason behind it. Mate, you rode absolutely awesome today. So many people thought you were going to take that second victory in MotoGP. You could not have tried any harder. Huge congratulations, Jack. Enjoy the celebrations tonight, buddy. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Back to you guys. Well, there you can see with your own eyes what we're saying when we say we love Jack Miller. Don't you love him? I mean, the guy's just brilliant. He is a dream to talk to. He's a great guy and he's fast. And today, that was box office Jack. That's the Jack that we want to see week in, week out in MotoGP 2021. Yep. Um, you know, I, th I thought he had it when he came past. Mm. You know, you knew the Duke was going to go past. He was um, close enough for it to going into that last lap. And it was just into turn one, a little bit wide. I think that, yes, Frankie might have had another go, but I think that's where he lost it, you know, running wide in there. And uh, we, we spoke during the race how the wind was making that yes. breaking point difficult. So, yeah, once Jack went wide, you know, and then it was really difficult from there. Turn five, brilliant by Frankie, because I know that turn really well. Frankie just threw it in early to pass him back, but Fra Jack just didn't give up. But once Frankie was... Um, back in front after turn five, this place is so hard to pass, you know. And Mormondelli defended well yes, into 11, didn't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I thought they were going in 11. I said it in your yeah. ear, but Frankie had it covered, yeah. you know, had it blocked. Franco Morbidelli made a good point to you in Parc Hermé after the race, the fact that it was such a great sporting uh, scene on that last lap, but it was clean. Yeah. That, I think, you could see the respect mm. uh, from Frankie about Jack and about you know, from Jack about Frankie, which is really nice to see. No bad feelings. They trust each other out on the track. Really nice feeling. This is the last lap wide. going into turn yeah. one. Just a bit wide in there. This is turn four. Oh, brave to go through there. Turn four is proper scary. Downhill off camera. Look, he turns in early, Frankie, and just blocks and, you know, shuts the door because the real line is where Jack is. But Frankie knew if he threw it in early, he'll block him, you know. And great, great really race. good. Great. Fantastic race. Two fantastic riders showing what they can do. Real shame in a way that we couldn't have our 10th different winner with Jack on the top step, but I think his time's coming yeah. uh, for Ducati and, and we want to see more of that. Maybe he gets his chance again in Portimao. We have to then talk about this man, Franco Morbidelli. He led for so, so long, Simon, and uh, at one stage when he started getting in those 31-4s, 31-4s, <sighs> I thought it's going to be another Grand Prix of Tidwell where he'll just disappear 10th by 10th by 10th because he barely makes any mistakes. So I was actually quite surprised, I think we all were, to see Jack creeping back on him but then to come back and just throw everything into it and lunge into everything on that final lap that was just classy from Franco he's an absolute machine isn't he yeah. what he was doing I was thinking what he was doing being so consistent like that makes it so hard for everyone else He's a brilliant, brilliant rider, and uh, he's moved up to second in the World Championship. And also, it was another great, great ride for Paul Espargaro. That's now five podiums in nine races, and crucially, back-to-back -back podiums here at Valencia. I'm sure a very happy Paul Espargaro standing by with Matt. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. I do have a very happy Paul Espargaro standing right next to me. Paul, it's been a fantastic week for you here in Valencia. Back-to-back -back podiums. You're like last week, you really had to work very, very hard to get everything out of that KTM. But we can see from the smile on your face, it's been another very, very good Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah, we definitely we did we did not expect that. Uh, I mean, even even with uh, with Nakagami in front, that he was a little bit faster. Mid race uh, to finish, we would finish in fourth position, which it was already fantastic. We we were hoping for a top five result this this weekend, and yeah, finally we we jump again on the podium in that fifth podium of the season with two pole positions. It just just unbelievable how uh, all the effort is paying off uh, these last races of. Of, of the season and, and really proud of this project, of these people and of our job for sure. Now it nearly ended in tears unfortunately, I mean how close was it between yourself and Tucker in that final corner? It looks super scary. Yeah, I mean it was one of the best places, I mean it was one of the places I was catching more uh, Jack and and uh, Morbido at the beginning of the race. It was the place I was breaking later and he overtook me and for inside I said, okay, let's <laughs> let's do it. But I keep some space because I, I was breaking later. And finally he was trying to close the line a little bit faster and he crashed and yeah, I have to say I was very lucky. Um, for sure he he was trying to overtake me because he wanted to win the race. He I think he had a chance. He was fast uh, and he could jump on the podium for sure. But... You know, whew, that was that was very close, and and finally in that two that two laps, the lap uh, Nakagami crash and the lap after, I lose one second and a half. Uh, just by I disconnect myself, and I was so shocked. Uh, but finally, we could jump on the podium, so I'm, I'm super pleased. Paul, today your podium and Brad Binder's fifth place. It shows what a fantastic year it's been for the Red Bull KTM factory team. You're now third in the team championship, something that nobody would have expected at the start of 2020. That position and that result must make you super proud as well, because you put so much work into KTM over these last few years. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling huge proud to 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 see this bike to jump on the podium for the fifth time, but also to see my teammate Brad, that he's a super young, talented guy, uh, also performing well on the bike. Um, also, you know, the team in that position on the championship, uh, the factory getting success after this hard. And huge tire, tireless works work of that last four years, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the people is around this project. They they really deserve this. You've had a fantastic season. It's not over yet. One more race to go in Portimao. I just wonder if you could have a, a quick few words about the new world champion as well, Joan Mir, because he's a deserving world champion. He's been fantastic, and he looks like he'll be a tough man to beat in the future. Yeah, I mean nothing to say about Joan. He's uh, he just did an amazing job this year. Uh, the whole Suzuki deserved is also uh, top result because they their huge work uh, in the past years it's been massive. Also, Juan riding style it's it fits perfect. Uh, he's a funny guy. He's a worker guy, and he for sure deserves it. He's a, a very good guy, so I'm happy for him and the, and for the whole uh, Suzuki Team Factory Racing. Well, you've certainly des deserved these two podiums over the last seven days. Paul, great to see you back on the podium. Many, many congratulations Thank once you. again. Paul Espargo, then very happy, Steve. Back to you guys in the studio. Yeah, thanks very much for that, Matt. Thanks to Polis Bargaro as well. Back-to-back -back podiums for the number 44. Red Bull KTM have, have had a season I don't think they'll ever forget. Don't these modern riders all speak so well? You know, they, do. You can, they can be proud of themselves. You know, They're amazing how he put that across. He was so fair. Mm. Um, how deep he digs to get the results he does. You know, the podium now and last week. And I've got to say, uh, in hindsight, what a choice Alberto Puj has made by uh, stealing him for Honda next year. When they did that, I thought that totally makes sense because. He makes a difficult bike, you know, the KTM was difficult last year, um, get results. And that's what 
you need to do in Honda, you know. It's not the easiest bike to ride. He make, he'll make it get results, totally understand. But since that choice, how he has proven, you know, because the KTM's come on, how good he is. They're, they're, what a great choice Honda made there. They have, yes. It'll be a big loss to, to KTM, that's for sure. But, of course, they have Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira taking over the reins in the factory team for next year. And both of those guys finished in the top six today. So, well done to them. We've got to just talk about Franco before we hear from him. It's his third win now of 2020 for Franco Morbidelli, who moves up to second overall in the World Championship. He's proving just how classy he is. He's also proving the bigger problem that Yamaha have in the fact that this 2019 Yamaha looks like a weapon, as we saw at the end of last year. And the 2020 bike has serious issues. Two really good points. Um, you know, coming into this race, uh, I did a podcast thing and they put me on the spot with the Australia MotoGP and said, Who, who's your money on? For And I just went, for the last two races, you know, looking at layout and how the riders handle pressure. For me, it's um, Frankie Morbidelli and Mia, because they've both done it before. They've both won world yes. championships. Yep. Um, they're absolute class, and I think their bikes are better suited to the tracks we're going. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Yamaha, I, I don't think you can take anything away from what Frankie's done here, because even if the bikes were, you know, all the same, he would have taken some beating, you know, like really good, but... Yes, Yamaha in trouble with their 2020 bike. It, it's obviously true that it's too up and down, isn't it, where the old one was uh, more consistent. It sounds like Franco Morbidelli uh, might just be about ready to talk then. It was a brilliant, brilliant ride. It wasn't quite as easy for him as it was in Well, and I'm sure he loved that last lap battle with Jack Miller. Matt's live with him now. Over to you, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, Steve. I am live with a very, very happy Franco Morbidelli after an epic last lap victory over Jack Miller today. Franco, pole position to your third win of the season, but you really had to work so, so hard. We saw your body language and reaction after the race. You gave everything to win that battle. You must be so delighted right now. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, an unbelievable win. Yeah, I, I, I gave everything all race long and uh, finally I had to dig uh, deeper to find something else at, at last lap. Uh, because uh, Jack was uh, was there and it was able to to catch up at the end and uh, it was able to fight at the end. So I had to find something something extra and uh, luckily I was able to pull it out and uh, I did a wonderful fight against Jack. It's always uh, nice to fight with him, win or lose. Um, so I enjoyed the battle. Um, congratulations to him because uh, he was just as good as me. And um, yeah, uh, I have uh, I have a great great uh, feeling about this year. We did great, and I'm looking forward to, to party tonight, and then and then go to Portimao. I'm sure it will be a heck of a party, samba style, Franco. I just want to dissect that last lap because there were three crucial moments. Jack, we know, was going to use the Ducati horsepower down the straight, but it looked like with the tailwind and perhaps a bit of slipstream, he just ran in a little bit wide. So what was going through your mind at that particular point? Yeah, just just try to see what he was going to do and just try to uh, stick my bike underneath him. That's it. That's it. That's what I, I was. Uh, that's what I, all I was thinking about last lap. Um, luckily, I was. Uh, 
I had enough tire to fight because that's important as well. Uh, so wonderful job from from the team as well. So great. Obviously, you, he made the move on you at turn four, and, and I think probably then he thought if he could hold you off through five and six and use the horsepower down the back straight, he, he might have been able to win. But he wasn't expecting that fantastic overtake you made at, at turn five. I mean, talk us through that one because it was the crucial moment of, of the race. Yeah, I don't even remember that. <laughs> I need to look at it again. I need to look at it again because I don't even remember the last lap. Sincerely. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. It was full of so many surprises but Franco today was a mixed day really because obviously you're no longer unfortunately able to win the world championship but you are now second in the standing so I'm sure when you reflect on this season after Portimao you, there's so much you so many positives for you to take so much for you to build on for 2021 yeah yeah we need to see how 2020 is gonna 2021 is gonna go uh, but this 2020 has been great uh, I enjoy uh, the present and then we will see how we we can act next year we will see if uh, the other manufacturer will make another step um, let's enjoy the moment Franco it was an absolute pleasure to watch you today it was a, a fantastic battle right down to the last lap many many congratulations you thoroughly deserve that victory today thank you very congratulations. much congratulations Back to you guys in the studio. Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. Thanks to Franco Morbidelli then, the Valencian Grand Prix race winner. He sounds like he's lost his voice there after putting everything into that and the screams uh, in the helmet there on that last lap. He says he can't even remember what happened on the yeah. last lap. Does that, has that ever happened to you? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, you know, when you have an accident or a uh, something that's so intense that it, it, it doesn't, you, you've got to relook at it, you know. Yeah, it's happened. The thing is, um, what I noticed about him, it's not a nice feeling somebody hunting you down, you know, for that last lap battle. Uh, so Jack had a little bit more speed, and it, like I said, not a good feeling. But the thing he did was, I think, like his mentor, Valentino Rossi, brought to our sport was doesn't matter whether you're slightly slower or not in the moment, just keep throwing everything at them until, until it rattled them, you know what I mean? And he did that really well. He's another Never gave up. He's another rider as well, Simon. When you look back over the season and you think of the bad luck, he could have been in a very different position right now. When you think of the engine in Jerez when he was on course for a podium yeah. and then, of course, what happened in Austria. That's a good point. Um, again, uh, you could... But mind yeah. you, you could say the same about so I, many people. I was I mean, about to say that. Yeah. You could say the same about others but you're right yeah Ta uh, you know the taken out but but so did Juan have it's been one of those seasons you know before we wrap up and uh, we go to talk about uh, oh, we, we've got a press conference to host as well with the with the top three and Juan Mir I think we're going to be hearing from the world champion in just a moment just a quick couple of words on a few other riders Fabio Quattararo's dreams ultimately have come crashing down and and what's worse uh, he's actually dropped out of the top three of the world championship as well. It, it's just gone from bad to worse of late. This weekend, uh, he was very rattled, wasn't he? Every time I looked in the garage, he's like just going uh, and um, listened to all his debriefs. Um, they were lost rear grip wise, trying to all three 2020 bikes, trying to find rear grip all over the place, setting wise, his swing arm pivots and ride height, all changes. And oh, he did fantastic to avoid that crash. He could have taken a couple of riders down and dived right and saved that really good skills but yeah lost the front was that turn six yes um, yeah uh the thing is 
Fabio never, you know what, how well Fabio goes when he's comfortable, but he was never once comfortable here at Valencia, was he? You know? Like he could throw a lap in every now and again, but never comfy. I, I genuinely feel sorry that he, uh, for him, that he uh, couldn't find that, him and the team couldn't find that. But and none of the 2020 Yamahas could. No. Uh, and as we move on to Suzuki, a quick word on Alex Rins as well. His title chances have gone today, but I mean, he did give himself an awful lot of hard work from 14th on the grid in any case. I, did, I think he did a really good job, mm. and it was all lost yesterday. You know, um, for both the Suzuki's, the qualifying was shocking. You know, like I said, 12 bikes in front of them. And this class, this level, everyone's so good. You haven't got a chance, you know. It's, I say that because Valencia is so difficult to pass. If, it, you know, Aragon or somewhere with big, wider, you can do it, but not here. It's, it was too hard for them. But both of them were really fast, just qualifying let them down. A word on uh, a couple of other riders as well. Uh, Miguel Oliveira started the race pretty well. He was up behind pole and Taka Nakagami. We must talk about Taka as well. But Miguel he just lost a little it. bit of time at the end, didn't he? Yes. He just dropped and Brad into the got 32s. past him. Brad, yep. solid result for him. And Brad was stayed in the 31s for mm. whatever reason that is. And it's so interesting to talk to them afterwards because maybe Miguel had a tyre pressure problem. Yep. or what, You know what I'm saying. We won't know till we talk to them. But uh, all the KTMs looked strong. They did, yeah. Three KTMs inside the top six is great for them. And Taka Nakagami, before we hear from Dramir, unfortunately, another podium chance has, has gone begging. Yeah, I was thinking about Taka. Um, we spoke last night and people were saying about on the podium and I voted for Jack and Paul again, you know, ahead of Tucker, even though on paper he looked because he hasn't proven yet that he can do it, you know. He has, hasn't had a podium and that's why I was scared to bet on him. The thing is, we humans learn from our mistakes. Tucker's made a couple, you know, yes, he'll get a kicking from some people, but he's learning and he'll come back stronger. He, he'll eventually do it, and once he do, well, sorry, once he does get on that podium, I think he'll be away, you know? It's just, sorry, Tucker. We're still waiting to hear from Juan Mir before we wrap up after the flag, so let's just focus on now, the new world champion. Uh, he's got one more race to go in Portimao before we wrap things up. At what stage this season did you genuinely start believing that Mir could win this? Oh, I can't remember exactly when it was. I mean... For me, it was, the, it was Austria. Yeah, Austria. That second race in particular. Yeah, Austria, because he was stunning. Before because the red flag he, came out. Yeah, he, he was stunning. He was running away with it, as everyone saw. And the thing is, he again, he's so solid, like Frankie. He just doesn't fall off. He finishes. He's good under pressure. And, um, yeah, because everyone else had had some sort of bad luck, um, like him, um, yeah, solid, yeah, unbelievable. Frankie and him, to me, this year have been the standout guys, you know. And um, uh, they're, they're, you know, all, I just want to throw something in here. All of the podium, um, as, you know, today looking at interviewing them, you can see the new generation coming yes. through. Yep. And I so look forward to, I hope, Aprilia, maybe have another new generation guy, Modi 2, for example. And, um, uh, then we're going to see two more Ducatis, uh, the Sponsorama team having two fantastic new talents. This class is only getting stronger, you know, with the injection of new talent. Hey, new world champion on screen. You've got to believe that, that Mir as well is, is only going to get stronger himself. This is only oh, his second for season. Sure, for sure. I mean, I think we've only just seen what he can do. It's just the start of it. And... 
the thing is, it was, I remember us talking about it mid last year. We saw, if you were watching close in the paddock, you saw he was this good. He just didn't get it across the line with a bit of bad luck or bad qualifying. Now he's doing it regularly. The Triple Crown is still on for Suzuki as well. Uh, they're locked on points with Ducati in terms of the constructors. That one rumbles on to Portimao. But the team championship has been done. So your thoughts on that? Because Alex Rins in the latter stages of this season is Super. also responsible oh. for that. And, and your thoughts on the team in general, led by, of course, uh, Shinichi Sahara, Ken oh, Kauchi, and so Davide Brivio. I'm super happy for them. They're, they've done an incredible job. Uh, Alex, you know, if he hadn't hurt himself at the beginning of this year, he was probably the man to beat because he was so fast right from the beginning. And, and winter testing was, as well was good. Yeah, winter it? testing. So, you know, they're what amazing, strong team. Super sad Alex hurt himself at the beginning of the year because he would have been the man to beat for the championship. Um, Suzuki, you know, I didn't put it very well last week. It was a bit blunt, but they've come from, you know, just on fact, they've come from not being in MotoGP and doing nothing I can really remember apart from the odd podium in World Superbike to this. And only, you know, it's single-digit years, you know, from one extreme to the other. It's awesome job you know now they're top of the world um the bike to beat at and consistently you know at all the tracks awesome job when we talk about riders we're still waiting to hear from from juan mir and i'm absolutely no idea how long we're going to wait yet um but i just want to get your thoughts on the season because i've just it's just sprung to my mind that we keep on talking about other situations in the year where how it could have been so different there are not many riders actually in the world championship who haven't had some bad luck at some point. I mean, the three guys that are about to sit down in the press conference, Franco Morbidelli, as we mentioned, Jerez, the, the big, big monster crash in Austria the following week. No one could have expected Franco to bounce back from that. That was three big races. Jack second. I mean, Jack's had some seriously bad luck so far this been year. He's been in... crash in front uh, of him. Yeah, and, and also the bike in, in Le Mans. Yep. In prime contention. And then you look, at, uh, you, look at, you look at Paul as well. Paul's been taken out a couple of times. I mean, all of these guys heading into next year are genuine title contenders. Again, we could have another barnstormer on our hands with another nine or ten winners. That's what I was trying to say about the depth of field, you know, with another few uh, Moto2 boys coming in. Um, and what is already here, I think it's really um, going to show how important, Frankie just brought it out, how important all the manufacturers react, you know, how, how, how well they react. That's the important thing because all of these guys can win, you know, that we've just been talking about. It matters so much um, how good the bike is, you know, at consistently at all the tracks and uh, how well it saves tyres. It's like... Yeah, it's this close between all of them. Um, it came to my mind as soon as the, the race finished about Juan Mir. I started thinking to myself, wow, this guy's not been in the paddock for, for very long. And then I counted the years, and I think we'll have to check the, the fact, but he's actually won the World Championship in less time in his entrance to Grand Prix racing than Mark Marquez did. Well, I think he is the least yeah. experienced Tw rider in MotoGP. Exactly. 2016, he made his full... Um, debut. He becomes the first ever MotoGP world champion to have won as a Red Bull, coming through the Red Bull rookies. The first ever Moto3 former world champion to win MotoGP as well. It just shows that this road to MotoGP program works and, and how quickly things can transform for the younger generation. I mean, this is a great advert for the youngsters coming through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you summed it up. Uh, the surprising thing for me is the man that just won the world championship is the least experienced rider, done the least amount of races in his career of anyone in the 
in the class, you know. It's, yeah, truly amazing. Um, yeah, he's, um, he showed his class straight away, but it was hard to see because the results weren't there. And it was around mid, mid-season last year. We all saw it. I know I'm repeating this. But, um, yeah, once he's had some luck, they've found the bike sitting, you know, got comfy. He's got enough experience. That I think there's no stopping him now. And, and also we have to say a word about Frankie Carcetti because when Joanne first came yeah. into the World Championship, they were both new to this. Yeah. I'm so happy with Frankie, um, for Frankie. I worked with him. He was Leon Camier's uh, crew chief. I was the spotter for Leon, so we worked close together. And um, Frankie's super loyal to his rider. You know, he does everything, everything possible for them. I caught up with him after the race and he was like a zombie. It was like he couldn't react. It was just overload of emotion you know it was i'm super happy for frankie great guy and obviously talented uh talented man we still have got i've got no idea what's going on at the moment so apologies for that we'll hopefully hear from someone shortly we'll go through a couple of other riders yeah. today alex okay, marquez was always going to have a tough oh. task today after that huge high side yesterday your thoughts on that i caught up with um alberto on the grid i tried to get an interview with him and uh he didn't want to do it but i told him i got out of him what i wanted which was can Alex last the race, you know, with the injuries at like very sore rear end, um, it's kind of pelvis area and left wrist. And he said uh, it's going to be very painful for him. But Alex said, much like Sam Lowe said, um, that he believes he can finish the race, you know, which he did. Um, we have got chance to talk about Moto3 and Moto2 championships that are going to go on to Portugal. Um, I'll try and recap and refresh our memories from those races here today. Albert Reynas extends his championship lead, but he's got a new championship rival to worry about, I think, after today in Tony Arbolino. What an amazing victory for the Italian. Yeah, and you saw how important it was to him as well, Tony winning. He was, I've never seen him so excited, you know. He's normally a little bit, he was over the moon with that. And um, the team I saw on the grid... Uh, really planning what he should do, where he should try and make the passes, because he was fair way back on the grid, and he came through to win it. He must have done exactly what they said, and yeah, and he the can't be proud of himself. The emotions that he must be feeling now that the championship's back on, going into the last round, given that he had to sit at home for a round in Aragon as well. Oh. Well, it was Hervé Poncherel that said to me um, at Aragon that how terrible that was for Tony having to go. You know, he was for the people that don't know, he was sitting on a plane and happened to be near someone in a further back row that was positive later, you know. And so they quarantined everybody near. And so Tony was stuck at home, couldn't go to Aragon first round. And as Hervé Poncherel said, imagine if he loses the championship by like 10 points mm. when he could have easily had 10 at Aragon, you know, with an average finish. So in Moto3, we'll go to Portugal and Albert Arenas, Ayagura and Tony Arbolino are the three men that will fight for that world championship. If we move on to, to Moto2, and Ayabastianini likewise extends his championship lead going into Portugal. Not, I wouldn't say a lacklustre performance, did exactly what he needed to do today, but didn't quite have the speed. It, it wasn't the Ineo we're used to seeing. Mm. I think that's all because he's an incredible rider. I'm a huge fan. I think he's going to rock it to the front of MotoGP. I'd even say that. I think he's the next big thing that's going to, I wouldn't say rocket. He's going to work his way steadily to the podium in MotoGP. You know, he's, he's good. So it wasn't his normal performance, um, but 
We don't know why. I haven't asked the team yet. There are still four riders, mathematically speaking, that could win the championship in Moto2 as a result of the results today for Bedzeki and for Marini. A word from about Sam Lowe's as well, because, I mean, that crash yesterday was was absolutely awful and it looks to I thought it had ruled him out to be quite honest with you you could see from the swelling on his hand going into this morning's warm-up I wasn't sure if he was going to race I'm sure you were thinking the same but to finish 14th and get a couple of points is, is a heroic effort the thing is you, you look at his lap times and um, you were calling that out in the race it wasn't far off no. you know and you, you, you're passing guys like uh, Luti and then his teammate Augusto Fernandez, and that's the sort of level person you have to pass even to get a point. The class is unbelievable, tough, and I felt really sorry for him having to having to do that because it could have been just a fall, got up, brushed himself off, and and had a good race today. And uh, he's had to go through that today. Would have been really hard. The problem for Sam now is even if he wanted to go to Portimao and wrestle back the, the championship and. We know he's good there from his days in World He's Supersport. got more experience than in all his competitors. But hasn't he's he? only a couple of days away. I mean, that, that, that hand, is it enough time for his hand to get to a position, do you think, where he could be competitive? It, it re- I can't answer that, but it really comes down to obviously how bad the injury is. And uh, if he can um, recover enough for whatever reason, I think he's got a very good chance because, again, I repeat, he's got more experience. He's the only one that's been winning World Championship races at that track. You know, everyone else is having to go to learn it. And I'll throw in, Portimao is the most intimidating circuit I've ever had to learn. It was the first day there. Even at the end of the first day, I was just going, oh, my, this is, I wasn't enjoying it. Because you can't see um, the corner, you have to hold the throttle on, but you can't see where you're going. It's, yeah, it's so intimidating. And it's not till the second day you start to make friends with it. His competitors are going to have to go through that where he won't, you know. And, and your thoughts on Portimao for the MotoGP riders, because I've been there to watch World Superbike. You've ridden it, obviously. So as you just said, it's an intimidating circuit, but it's exciting for the neutral. I mean, just to give the, the fans an idea of what to expect with MotoGP bikes going around that place, because <laughs> it's spectacular enough as it is just watching World Superbike round it. Yeah, I had to think of that um, as well, what it's going to be like for MotoGP to turn up to Portimao. And... Um, and which bike should go well there? It's got a long front straight, right? Yeah. But the thing is, the whole way around, and even coming onto that front straight, is not flat. So the bikes with the more advantage power-wise, they won't get to use it because the circuit is about who is comfortable enough to open the throttle more than who has the most power, you know? So I think my gut feeling is it's going to come down to the sweet handling friendly bikes again more so than the most powerful ones oh, so in lines more than I was going to that was going to be my next question mm. Simon in terms of putting you on the spot for next week if I was to say to you right now which manufacturer would come out on top but I, I presume you're saying Suzuki stand a very good chance again well there. a week ago I said uh, before coming into here on that podcast I said Suzuki's and Yamaha's I'm going to stick with that um, there could be a you know, the Tucker and a, a brave, like Brad Binder, Paul Spargo, you know, prove me wrong. But I'll put it this way. If I was going to ride at Porto Mayo, I'd want to ride something sweet handling, easier to ride than Monster Powerful, you know. Thanks very much, Simon. It's time now to hear from the world champion then. Juan Mir has done it here today in Valencia. We can cross over live. He's standing by with Matt. 
Yeah, thanks very much, Steve. It gives me great pleasure to stand in front of this young man and say, Juan Mir and Suzuki 2020 MotoGP World Champions. How does that feel? <laughs> it feels amazing. I still can't believe it, honestly, because uh, I need probably a couple of hours to understand a bit the situation because now I'm a bit like in shock. All the year with a lot of pressure here and at home to don't take the, the coronavirus uh, is uh, unbelievable to how we manage the situation. And uh, finally, we, we get the, that title, no? We get this title, my second year with Suzuki. This uh, is uh, unbelievable. I, can, I cannot express uh, by words what, what this means for me because uh, it's impossible. But, uh, but what, what um, can I say is that uh, I want to thank to all the people that make it possible. Uh, my family, first of all, Suzuki, second, uh, because they give me the opportunity to be now here in MotoGP and world champion. And uh, I'm so happy to be that guy who brings uh, Suzuki again back on top 20 years uh, later. Yeah, just the sixth rider, Juan, in Premier Class history to win the World Championship for Suzuki. What was it like on that last lap when it was the realisation that you were so close, your family were here, it was so emotional. I mean, it was such a special moment. Yeah, such a special moment uh, is uh, something that uh, I cannot express because, you know, when I saw the, the board with the world champion, I said, this is not happening to me, and I started to cry. Uh, then when I saw the, the people, uh, I was crying also, and, uh, and then doing the lap, uh, I started to, to realize what, what was happening also. Uh, what was a shame is to don't have the, the, the people here with, with, uh, in the, in the grandstands because uh, this is always an extra motivation and uh, an extra pleasure uh, to celebrate with them. But anyway, if I made a little bit better his uh, year in a, such a difficult year, for me this is the best title. What was the key, do you think, to winning this year's World Championship? It's been such a, a difficult season. Of course, it was a difficult start for you. You made the mistake in the first race in Jerez and then you got taken out in the third round by Bruno. I mean, you were nearly 50 points behind Fabio Quattararo after the first three races. But what do you think was the key? It looked like you stayed calm throughout and then we know you've had great speed and great consistency. It was, was really difficult because... The, extra, the, the, the thing that is, uh, we don't mention a lot but was difficult uh, for everybody to understand is that uh, the, the, press, the pressure, normally you have it at, uh, here on track, at home you disconnect. But in, at home I was not able to disconnect because uh, I had also the pressure of the coronavirus and this made a lot, difficult, uh, a lot more difficult the situation. No? Uh, also to be really constant in every race, always in, on the podium. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the race because for me this was the, the race that I struggled more in all the year and th that I risked more. So uh, really, really difficult, but, uh, but uh, we, we have the title, so I don't care about the race. We can see here as well Davide Brivio, the team manager, Ken Kouachi, the man who's been so influential behind the scenes with the GSX-RR. What would you like to say about the job that Suzuki have done? It's only your second year in MotoGP, but you are the world champion. And it looks like in the future, the combination of you and Suzuki are going to be very, very difficult to beat. Yeah, honestly, when I see now uh, Davide after the title, uh, I remember uh, one conversation that we had in, 
in Jerez uh, a lot of uh, in 2018 that we start to 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 talk about uh, this project and uh, he was trying to convince me uh, he didn't need it because uh, I always, I was all uh, I was convinced before uh, I wanted uh, this project with Suzuki to bring Suzuki on the top because you have uh, this strap uh, is is even more difficult with Suzuki to make it you know and uh, now uh, one title with this uh, with this brand make you even better, no? Uh, they deserve it because they made an awesome job. Not this year, all the all the previous years when I was there last year and when I was not. So uh, thank you and congratulations to them, to all the people that uh, is working at uh, in uh, in Japan, in Hamamatsu, uh, making this uh, this uh, bike uh, even faster and even better. And uh, that's it. Thank you. And what are you going to do to celebrate tonight? We honestly, I want to celebrate, I want to go to the disco, I want uh, everything. But uh, we have to be responsible. It's people that is dying for this reason. Uh, for me, uh, the best celebration is to be with, with my family here and with my team. And uh, taking always uh, measures because uh, this is serious, the coronavirus. And uh, of course I need to celebrate a little bit, but uh, not so much. Joanne, you join a very exclusive list of Suzuki World Champions in MotoGP. Barry Sheen, Marco Lucanelli, Franco Ancini, Kevin Schwantz, Kenny Roberts Jr. And now Joanne Mir. I just want to say, Joanne, you're a great rider, a great ambassador for MotoGP. And it gives me immense pleasure to speak on behalf, I'm sure, of millions of fans all around the world to pass on huge congratulations because you're a deserving MotoGP World Champion in thank 2020. Look forward to seeing you defend the title next year. Huge congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Steve, back to you guys. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you to Joanne Mir, the MotoGP World Champion for 2020. Simon, thanks for your comments as well. We've got to wrap this one up. We'll be back in Portugal. From myself as well, it's goodbye.